Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Plan for Life Now, episode number 82. Dave, we are back to our socially distanced, whatever you want to call it, podcast. We had an amazing run of doing podcasts together once. Yeah. And uh, the attitude, if anyone feel hasn't heard the one, or maybe you listened to a couple in a row and you heard the one we just did, and now you're listening to this one. What a, what a juxtaposition from... Getting back together, COVID's over, all this stuff. To well, but the I mean, variant, and the variant is a weird thing. But it, yeah, I don't. Uh, but I don't know if if there was no variant right now, we might still be doing this <laughs> long distance just because you're at the beach and I'm at home, and you know, true. But that, but the attitude of everything, yeah, is different. I mean, no, it, is, definitely. it is different that you, and I, I personally understand why, but it's different that you, we have to wear a mask again when I was getting used to not wearing one 24-7. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm not going to make any predictions about whether we'll be doing it together in the fall because, We're Honestly, done doing that. I, I have no idea. I can't. We're done with predictions about COVID in general. I wouldn't even predict about how it's going to affect markets and things like that, although the market seems to be reacting as if nothing – it's a non-factor. It's a non seems like a non-starter with the markets. Yeah. But that could change. Who knows? No, you're right. I mean, it, you know, you get new case data. It doesn't seem like the market really cares at all. So – um, all right, I had a couple of things here on my list that I wanted to talk about. Um, one, just real quick, and I wanted to knock this one out. Um, Dave, have you seen some of this discussion around mega IRAs and capping IRAs at certain dollar limits? Have you seen this whole discussion that's been going on? Uh, not too much. It has okay. not been a part of my summer reading here. <laughs> well, I mean, let me tell you where this originated from and why I think it's a big, uh, much ado about nothing. Uh, you know, I think this first started last month when Peter Thiel, who was one of the founders of PayPal and obviously quite a wealthy individual now, he uh, somehow, I don't know how it came out or was disclosed or whatever, that his Roth IRA is worth $5 billion, right? That's billion with a B there. Wow. And Now, how can you even – okay, I'll let you continue explaining. I have questions, but you'll probably explain it in your – keep going. 
Yeah, and, you know, it also came out he has not contributed to said Roth IRA since 1999 when he put in $2,000. And, uh, you know, basically what he did was he was buying shares of PayPal back, you know, when it was, you know, he was one of the founders, so he essentially got it for nothing. And then it spiked tremendously in value and it's worth $5 billion. And as you know, with a Roth IRA, that means that that money will come out and come out 100% tax-free if he waits till age 59 and a half to take that money out. So this has led to some people and even some senators to get up in his arms and say, oh, my gosh, we should have caps or limits on Roth IRA or, I'm sorry, just IRA amounts in general. And they've even thrown around some numbers saying, you know, well, we want to cap IRAs at $5 million, which five, $5 billion, we don't really have to worry about that. And we don't have any clients or personally, you know, where $5 billion is coming into play. But if you are one of those people listening right now, please go yeah. to the website immediately <laughs> right. and contact us. But $5 million, hey, that's actually coming into play with, you know, with client accounts and, and personally stuff like that. So, you know, that kind of got my attention there. But, you know, the whole thing, they're, they're, they're drawing these false comparisons here. Now, you know, Peter Thiel, this is a, you know, a very unique circumstance where he is able to buy uh, incredibly cheap shares and have this grow tremendously. You know, the chances of that happening on a regular basis, that's just not a normal thing. Now, contrast that with talking about capping out regular traditional IRAs. It just doesn't make any sense because a traditional IRA the IRS, the government, would love to have somebody like Peter Thiel investing money in a traditional IRA like that because if it grew to $5 billion, that's ultimately all going to be taxed as ordinary income. Right. You know, e- either when he takes it out or if he dies over 10 years when his heirs take it out. So it is unique that it was a Roth IRA and it was fantastic growth and all of that. But at the end of the day, for regular investors, you know, the the government should look at that as, hey, this is a growing asset that we get to take a chunk out of. So if, you know, Bob and Mary Smith investor have $5 million in their IRA and they're continuing to keep it invested and it's going to grow, that's good for the government because they're going to get more tax revenue down the road. It makes no sense to want to cap that. From a from the government or revenue earning point of view. Now, I'm not saying that the government will always uh, will always do things that make sense, but I you know, I was reading <laughs> or ever do things that make sense. But I was reading from one of the leading experts in the country, Ed Slot. He's kind of known as the expert on IRAs, 401ks, distributions. He's a CPA, and his take on it was this is just this is a nothing burger. It's it's not going to go anywhere uh, because you know there's really an incentive there for the government to allow these IRAs to grow, and then you, you they get the the higher tax revenue. Right. So hopefully, if you read that article by you being the listener, you're not 
worried about something that was probably just originally put out there to sort of start a fire that's right. not going anywhere. Yep. Okay, but the main thing that I wanted to talk about today was an article, Dave, that I had sent to you, and the title of it was Diversifying Isn't Zesty. Um, diversifying Your Portfolio Isn't Zesty, But It Works. And uh, the gist of this article here is that most investors, and we've known this, we've seen, seen many reports that show this over time, most investors do not have realistic expectations about returns in their portfolio. And they, they started off this article quoting Mark Cuban. Um, if you don't know Mark Cuban, he's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He became very wealthy uh, after the tech bubble in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't even remember. Do you remember what company he sold, Dave, to, to make himself so wealthy? Oh, I don't remember. I'm just pretty sure he sold it to Yahoo. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and we see how well Yahoo's been doing. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I, I forgot. He, it might be something about a computer chip or something like it was something tech. And, and he went yeah. from there. Yeah. And if you don't know his reputation as a NBA owner, owns the Dallas Mavericks, he's a very outspoken guy. He's never... <laughs> Never shy about sharing his opinion on things. Um, so he had this quote uh, a little while ago where he said that this trend of diversification, he said diversification is for idiots, that no one should diversify. But this is great for him. He's a billionaire and he owns the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, he does, does very well at that. Um, but they were making the larger point here that, most people, and this is kind of, you know, dovetailed with the whole meme stock thing. You know, if, if you remember from a couple months ago, the whole game stock, AMC, um, right. you know, saga with all of these meme stocks, as they call them, you know, shooting up tremendously and people getting rich off of doing that, that everyone is looking for these, what they call 10X investments. You know, a 10x investment, something where you can make 10 times your money in a short period of time. And that's fantastic. You know, we always tell people, hey, if you want to take some money that you would use for entertainment purposes, that you would take that money and you would go to Vegas or Atlantic City and you would gamble with that money, use that money to gamble in the stock market. But don't use that money for planning your retirement for counting on certain money to be there when you retire to produce an income. You know, that really needs to be segmented off. Right. And I think the biggest, the biggest way to quantify this, this difference in understanding or lack of understanding has to do with the expectations that investors have for asset rates of return over the next decade. And this is a study that's been done several times and U.S. investors expect their portfolios to generate long-term rates of return of 17.5% after inflation. <laughs> That's an annualized yeah. number. 17.5% <laughs> per year after inflation. Right? Uh, I'm laughing, but if you're, uh, I hope you're not one of our clients who's thinking, <laughs> That's what I expected. Why is right. that laughing? 
I was counting on 17.5% per year after inflation each year. What I've been getting the last few years, what's the problem? And Well, and that's the problem. I mean, that's the issue is that, you know, you've heard about all of these investors on apps like Robinhood, you know, who trade stocks just like, you know, like it's a game, like it's a video game. So they're trading them around and they're getting 10x returns. They think 17.5% they're being conservative. Well, let, let's put this in perspective here. And first of all, um, this study that was being cited said 17.5% now. Two years ago when they did the study, investors only, quote-unquote, only expected 11%. So this is, all, certainly, right? <laughs> this is certainly accelerated in the past couple of years. Now, let's contrast this to BlackRock's expected rates of return going forward. Now, BlackRock, if you're not familiar, one of the largest asset managers in the world, um, you know, they do a lot of research around, you know, what are expected rates of return going forward. Uh, here are some of their expected rates of return. Um, the highest here, emerging markets equities at 8.9%. Um, European equities, 8%. U.S. equities, so U.S. stocks, 7.3%. U.S. real estate, 64 uh, I'm interrupting because I didn't wasn't listening close enough. For This is for how long a period of time going forward? Um, this is their expected rate of return over the next 30 years. Oh, okay. So, okay. so BlackRock is making these projections, and obviously they're just projections, but they're using a lot of data here. They're using demographic data. They're using valuations of current uh, stocks, um, you know, growth expectations in, company, uh, in countries and things like that. Um, but you know, if we get on down here to a global 60-40 portfolio, you know, 60-40 portfolio is kind of that benchmark, balanced portfolio for somebody in retirement. They've got an expected rate of return of a little bit over 6%. And that's a lot of the time when we're planning with clients, that's pretty close to the number that we're using for projected rates of return. And I think that's a much more reasonable rate of return than assuming that you're going to get 17.5%. Um, you know, I think uh, Warren Buffett, one of the greatest investors of all time, if not the greatest, you know, has said that his long-term rate of return before factoring in inflation has been something like 18 or 19%. So unless you are the next Warren Buffett, I don't think you're getting 17.5% uh, for long-term rates of return. But really the danger, I mean, you know, I've told I've countless times on this podcast how many times I've said it's been beneficial. I'm not saying you going to Wharton is very good for doing our job, but it didn't hurt to be a history major. Because if you're when you look at history, or what's there's that phrase, People who don't follow history, the lessons of history are doomed to repeat their mistakes, something like that. Yeah, I don't know what the gist. phrase is. That's but, the but, gist of it. But, that's the gist of it. It's, but so when you look, I feel that the real danger to what you're just saying is that we're getting into this lull, which is very understandable for people who aren't in finance or don't really pay attention to this stuff from 2009 to now 2021 and a half of the markets, for the most part, with the occasional blips going up, 
at these incredible rates. The I hate is this the greatest bull run of all time? If it's not, it's way up there. Um, um I, I think just to be technical and, and you know, throw around some knowledge. Oh, I know. I, there was one time it went okay. Nineteen eighty two to nineteen ninety nine, US stocks averaged eighteen percent per year. So if those uh if those investors in nineteen eighty two had have said this, they would have been right on. But okay. I, I, but I think in, you're right. It's, this is a, we're this in is another one of these scenarios where you look at a, all the research and people are expecting 17% a year annualized return. And the danger isn't just to expect it. The danger is then to start living your life, other aspects of your life, like it's going to happen. Since right. I'm going to get this much money, I can spend this much now on a house that costs way more than it should. Yeah. And I can spend this much on other stuff I want because I have X amount that's going to keep growing at 17% annualized. Well, and then when history repeats itself, and it always does, and all of a sudden the next thing happens, and it's so odd with COVID that it was such a tiny blip on the screen, but not the kind of bear markets we've seen in the past that can right. go on and then muddle. Bear market shock muddle for a couple of years before things really take off again. But well, when stuff like that happens, and you're expecting 17.9% a year, and you're now spent X amount on a new house that then goes underwater, and et cetera, et cetera. When you start living your life with the 17.9% expectations, that's where the danger to all these statistics comes in play. Well, I mean, let me tell you where I've seen these kind of irrational expectations manifest themselves when working with people because you know i think for the most part with most reasonable people they're not <laughs> most people who are planning minded planning oriented who are the ones that we are meeting with they're not expecting those kinds of rates of return every single year so you know i don't know who what their sampling is you know who they're talking to but let me tell you where i do see these unrealistic expectations being manifested and that's when it comes down to this idea of diversification and spreading out your assets over not just large cap U.S. stocks. Right? That has been over the last 10 years, you know, what, I'll, what I will tell you has been absolutely incredible has how much large cap U.S. stocks have outperformed every other asset class. You know, it hasn't even been close. You know, they've beaten small caps, mid caps. Um, international stocks, emerging market stocks, real estate, they've beaten everything and pretty handily every single year. Um, that's really where I see this kind of thing manifesting itself is people saying, well, wait a second, why do I need to own international stocks? Right. U.S. stocks are always the best. They're always right. going to be the best. Great and, point. And there's a chart that I – um, I've shown it to, to some people when we have this discussion, and it shows U.S. stocks between the years 2000 and 2010, and it lists 45 different countries and the returns of those those stock markets from 2000 through 2010. And during that time period, U.S. stocks were in the bottom, I think it was bottom four or five out of those 45 countries. And then from 2010 to 2020, U.S. stocks were the second best 
performing asset class. So I don't know what the next decade, you know, will hold, but it's, I'm guessing they're probably not going to be the best or the second best. They might slip down and sort of revert to the mean there. So, right, but you and I vote. We've been doing this so long that we remember the era when people would say, "Are you sure I should have some money in something that mimics the S and P 500?" Yeah. Why would I do that? Well, the, I, the then of course, why would I have any money in international? More recently. Yep, and I just quickly remember. Yeah, I mean, you've, we've been doing this for a long time. I mean, it's like we go through – nothing says more about diversification than being in this business for over 20 years and hearing people literally, the thing that's booming now, they were saying, why do I have any money in that? And, and that goes through almost every category of asset class. Yeah. I mean, I, I have this distinct memory of meeting with a woman in 2007 – and she had all of her thrift savings plan, uh, which is the government uh, 401k plan. She had it all in the iFund. And I thought that was the iFund is international stocks. I always say these things. I expect everyone to know them. Um, international stocks. And I, I asked her, I said, why, why do you have everything in the iFund? That's a little bit concentrated. She looked back at me like I was the dumb one. And she said, well, it has been the best performing asset for the last, you know, however many years, six or seven years. So I just put that in there last month because it's been the best performing. Uh, and to her, that made so much sense. And right. I think people now are doing the same thing. They're looking at the S&P 500 saying, well, it's been the best performing. Why would I put money in international stocks, small cap, et cetera? Right. Uh, and it's so interesting. Well, the end of the the end of your story is basically going to be diversifying is the thing yep. that works best in the long run. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting the humility involved in what we're just trying to do with clients, which is to project similar to the BlackRock thirty year expectations when we make projections of what you know we think we can get you or your you can expect with your with your money. And figure out, you know, how much you can live on based on that. And what's the best way to get us to that number uh, is what's, what are the best returns obviously going to be over that long period of time. And that's where, that's where ultimately diversification comes into play. It's the making sure, you know, if you're going to be a patient investor and a smart investor, we got to get you there. And the best way to do it is that not about believing in something. It's really just more about fact. Yep. All right. Diversification is not zesty, but it works. Uh, <laughs> there you go. All right, Dave. Enjoy the beach uh, today. All right, Steve. Enjoy steamy Potomac. Not like it's not steamy here. Yeah. It's steamy here. Uh, it was I can nine only imagine. And I, 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 excuse me, Gaithersburg. Not the It was 99 here. What was it? 99? Yesterday, yeah. I just want one quick comment, and then we'll let everybody go. We don't need the feels-like temperature. It's 99. feels like 115. Yeah, no kidding. That's not to use a bad word there. I don't need it. don't need the feels-like. I get it. (laughs) All right. We'll leave you there. We'll check in again next month. Take care. All right. 